0: holy spirit you are welcome here wasn't it good to see them bouncing around up there (laughs) thank you choir oh holy spirit you are welcome here shower down that rain oh god shower down that rain upon us breathe upon us give us that gift oh god breathe on us now holy spirit holy spirit you are welcome here when we say words like that we might get more than we bargain for Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. It's an invitation to change. It's an invitation that God's going to do something new right here, right now, in this place. Holy Spirit, rain down upon us in this place. Oh my, are you ready for change to come? God's kingdom right here and right now more than ready to receive it are you ready to work for it to make it happen holy spirit you are welcome here i loved it this morning we heard in that midnight cry when jesus calls us we'll be going home so we have all these assurances in the scripture today and in our music today jesus call us home that wonderful image that strengthens us in times where we have our own midnights And I appreciate the words of Harvey, our flamboyant actor friend, who says, we know who we are. You know who we are now, too. We've been working at this change long enough. You see us these days. But now we're going to continue to work for some more change. In the scripture of the baptism story, it's not just that Jesus knows who he is, but he knows whose he is. And the story of that relationship and what happens between Jesus and John, we're going to talk about someday. We are following, if you haven't noticed, the Gospel of Matthew. We're going through the Gospel of Matthew this, this season of time. And so we're at the baptism of Jesus today. Oh, goodness, what a story to tell. You heard the words. Did you hear the words at the end of the scripture? You are my own, you are my beloved, and you, I am well pleased. Did you hear them? You are my own. You are my beloved, and you, I am well pleased. Yes, yes. Did you hear them for yourself? Come on out. Did you hear them for you? Because these words aren't only Jesus' words. These are God's words for you. You are my own God saying. You, resurrection church, you are my own resurrection people. You are my child, and you, I am well pleased. Can you claim the words for yourself? Because when you do, it's that Holy Spirit that descends and rests on Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Can we trust you in that place that you love us that much? Do you believe it? Trust God that God loves us that much, that the Spirit welcomes us as beloved children beloved children of god can you take it in can you feel it can you know what it does is it transforms and changes you but it's not supposed to just stop with you then you transform and change the world one person one conversation one act at a time we work together to change the world oh holy spirit come anew upon us revive us again rain down upon us Call us forward, O God. Do you remember your own baptism? Some of you might remember your baptism. You know? How many of you got baptized over 50 years old? You might remember it. You know, or 40, or 30, or 20. You might remember your baptism at that time. Remember what it was like to put on the robe. Maybe you crawled into a tank and the pastor dunked you down into that water. You know, we you know, essentially die and rise into new life. You might have remembered that story in your life of what it was like to get all wet at your baptism story. Or you might be like me. You might have grown up in a tradition where you were baptized as an infant, where they sprinkled you, and then they showed you to the congregation, and your family said, Here I stand. Here I stand with this baby. This baby will know God's love. And they don't only ask the family to make that promise, they ask the congregation to make that promise. Here I stand with this child. Now, I don't remember that moment. I remember later moments, I remember stories of it, and I remember people standing by me so that I would know God's love. Now, for some of you, it might not have been as an adult, and it might not have been as an infant, it might have been somewhere in between. You might have been one of those traditions where there's all this peer pressure between the ages of 10 and 12, you all know what I'm talking about? You better be getting Jesus soon. <laughs> you know, we're watching you. You know, by 11, 75% of those kids have accepted Jesus. And if you're the one 12 year old holdout, boy, the pressure is fierce. Is that what accepting Jesus is all about? Holy Spirit, descend on us. We welcome you, whatever age, whatever family, whatever we look like wherever we need to be changed whatever hope we have holy spirit come down holy spirit we welcome you this day so wherever you were baptized you know what it doesn't matter all of them are god reaching out to you and you receiving the gift if you receive the gift as a pastor i've had the joy of baptizing many people in about 23 years of ministry I've baptized little infants with families of all kinds. I remember doing one out at the Renaissance Festival in that open-air chapel out there. It was quite cold. I had to hold the water under my armpit so it warmed up before you douse the baby with it. So from infants, you know, i baptized young people, I've baptized adults, even baptized people who, on their deathbed, found the faith enough to say, I want to be baptized, I'm enough god loves me i can receive this gift even now (laughs) baptism however you receive it god is right there calling you into it with you through it and beyond holy spirit oh yes so in that story of baptism of jesus we may have all these things believers baptisms infant baptism i did one baptism in a tank had to borrow a baptist church pastor said come on in we believe in full-bodied baptism, washing all over, you know, and so that person needed full-bodied baptism, and we did it, because that's how they wanted to recognize God's action, giving them new life, new life, and the direct opposite of that is my friend who grew up in the Quaker tradition and looked at me real wisely and said, you know, we do dry cleaning, <laughs> you know, and it works because god is giving the gift and all we do is receive that gift baptisms remember your baptism celebrate it remember that god is smiling upon you in it there's a ethicist theologian emily towns Uh, she has um, done wonderful work over her years and emily 30 years ago 30 years ago said here i stand when she walked out and among lesbian gay bisexual transgender and queer people she walked right out into them and as a preacher and theologian at that time one of the first in mainstream to say you are god's own you are beloved in you god is well pleased emily said here i stand i stand with you when she did that and in her book um blaze of glory she says it this way we are not dipped we are not sprinkled, we are not immersed, we are washed, washed in grace, washed in the grace of God. And so for all these years, she's been there saying, here I stand with you, with you. You know, I believe God saw that, God saw Emily saying, here I stand, and said, oh, I can work with this. And just recently, Emily became the dean of the Vanderbilt School of Theology right in the very place where they had to hold lunch counter demonstrations because people like Emily weren't supposed to belong there. Right, right. Are we about creating change? Are we about the Holy Spirit coming in our life in a new way for a new beginning? Are we willing to take a stand where God calls us to, to take that stand? Baptism is really powerful stuff. Letting the Holy Spirit come is really powerful stuff. Historically, we can look back and we read the stories of days in our country where we were torn apart by slavery. Torn apart by that sin in our lives as a nation. And then we read those accounts and look at that. We hear the stories of the early churches, early people of faith, who in slave tradition would come forward and their preachers and they would get baptized. They would get Baptized. They would respond to the gospel call and be baptized and afterwards proclaim their freedom in Christ. It caused some trouble. Some of those masters had to go get the white preachers to come in and say why they still had chains on. Because the liberating word of the gospel had been heard and change was coming. Freedom was coming. would we take our stand there for that change boy it's amazing how powerful baptism is in our lives and in the world so much that it can save it are you ready for change are you ready for new life there's a camp song that we used to sing um, that i'm going to share with you today so be gracious to me (laughs) starts out, it goes "I, i found a new life i found a new life if anybody asks you What's the matter with you, my friend? Tell them you've been saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, water baptized, you found a new life. You like that? (laughs) Saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, found a new life. If y'all don't know me very well, I just broke a chain (laughs) to sing with you. Just break a chain, break a chain. But we all have personal and corporate chains we need to break and we sing this, I found a new life, I found a new life and at the very moment when we look at ourselves we can say, oh, this new life looks a lot like our old life have you ever been in that place? receive the love of God, receive the Holy Spirit anew, afresh you know, God's reaching out to you, giving you what you need but that new life looks a lot like that old life The habits the addictions the fears the challenges so familiar you know that freedom felt scary and all of a sudden the new life looks like that old life well we are called to pay attention and to create change we are called not only to hear the good word of baptism to hear the good word that we are god's own and that we are loved that we are god's children but we are called to take a stand we're called for our own lives to create change and for the lives of others to create change as well. Are you ready to create some change and perhaps drop some chains? Create some change. Drop some chains in your own world, in your own life. Well, if we look at the baptism story a little bit further, this is what Jesus starts to do. You know, he picked this time to debut. To say, This is who I am. He chose to come to John for baptism. And in this place, John had been stirring up trouble. You know, everyone in town is coming outside to look and see what he's going to do next. Some of them are out there looking to see how can we get his head chopped off, which they succeed in doing, right? As the story goes. So John's creating trouble out there in the wilderness. And you know, it's symbolic in the story whenever you say the wilderness, because that's where the spirit emerges. The wilderness on the edges, on the margins in our scripture story is often where those radical new justice things start to happen. So Jesus goes out into the wilderness to find John. And when he finds John, walks right down there in the water with him. Right down there in the water. All this mess is being created, all this turmoil. And Jesus goes right down there, shoulder to shoulder, wet as can be, baptized, comes up. Says, this is who I am. John, you're causing all this trouble. You know what this trouble sounds like to me? Sounds to me like God's kingdom coming. Sounds to me like God breaking into the world out here in the wilderness. Sounds to me like what I am. Sounds to me like we together can work on the kingdom come. Solidarity, shoulder to shoulder, wet as can be, looking at everybody around them, the crowd, who's trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And some of them trying to figure out, how can we control whatever is going to happen next? So Jesus intentionally makes his debut walking into the water, into the midst of turmoil, economic, religious, social upheaval, all of the things that were going on in that day, and stands right to the next person that's stirring it all up, saying, this is who I am. This is solidarity, ready to create change, ready to create heaven here on earth earth Jesus is doing this as he stepped in you know we have that creative change conference coming up this month and you've heard us talk about it but I want to tell you I've been to it a couple of times and experienced great transformation there there are times when I wish I'd gone to creating change before I stepped in something I wish I hadn't stepped in because at creating change they help you find the tools for when you do step in something you can step out of it Or you can help other people transform and change. So my deep desire and hope is that at least 30 people from our congregation go to Creating Change. It's coming here. It's coming here to Houston at the end of January. And it has over 4,000 folks coming from around the world who will bring top-notch programming for us. And if you haven't experienced what it's really like for the Kingdom to come, I bet you need to go see it alive. And I would call it Creating Change. It is amazing and transformative. So if you can take a day off of work or go on Saturday, please go and see what it will do to transform your life, that Creating Change Conference. Because sometimes we don't say, here I stand, because once we say it, we don't know what to do next. Or we're afraid of what's going to happen next. And so what this conference is very helpful at doing is helping us understand all of those things. Everything from simple anti-bullying work to Kristen and Michael teaching sexual salvation faith courses yes <laughs> now i don't say those words glibly because that terrifies a lot of people sexual salvation talk about getting ready to put chains back on you know for some people that might be freeing <laughs> you know Full immersion finally happened back here. <laughs> yeah, back here. But there are times when you are ready to stand up, and you need the tools and the gifts to be able to do that, to prevent harm from others or for yourself. You're ready to do that. It's more than solidarity. It's being equipped then to take action to create the change you seek. There was a moment for me as a sophomore in high school when I was uh, in 10th grade, sharpstown high school in southwest houston and we were all forced to play basketball which is a short person i just loved you know play basketball shortest skinniest person on the court running around i was knee level so i could get the ball a lot didn't mean i could do much with it after i got the ball but i could grab it pretty good at some point in time at this class i was able to perfect the action of almost falling to the ground to launch a shot over everyone's head because any other way I tried, I just got smashed. And so I was leaning all the way back to do that. Well, some of the folks didn't like that, so I started to get elbows when I was doing that. You know, some pretty tough ones, the kind that put you all the way on the ground. And then that started to happen off the court as well. It's what they call bullying. It happens today in schools, elementary, junior, senior high. And I still was launching those things, and sometimes they got in but I was ending up on the ground every time it happened. And then something different happened. One day, this guy named Carl actually started saying, stop it. When he saw it happen, he said, stop it. And you know what? It stopped. They've done in bullying research, they know that if, you, if someone says something in the first 15 seconds, it stops. Someone just has to say something. So the skinny, pimply, 16-year-old redhead just said, Stop it. Stood shoulder to shoulder with me on the court in solidarity, and I stopped ending up on the ground. What does it mean just to create change in those small ways and then create change personally in our lives and to move forward? Now, like Emily, he started one place and he ended another. Carl, who helped me on the basketball court years later, became an accountant. One of those firms called Arthur Anderson. Do they still exist? I don't think so. Arthur Anderson. And there's reasons for that. Well, Carl was one of the, was the person in charge of auditing Enron. Some of you know the story. So Carl was the person that said, you're being a bully and that this isn't legal. And so we have the Enron scandal. Sometimes when you stand for justice, you stand for justice your whole life. Emily moved on through her life. Carl moved on through his life, making sure those who were being hurt were were protected, were together. Our founder, Reverend Troy Perry, is one of those people. He took a stand a long time ago when people weren't taking stands. People tried to push him down. You know, more than elbows, they took fire to one of our churches. They burned down the church that had just been refurbished. People had come forward and put in the carpet themselves painted themselves, the cushions themselves, they done all this hard work as a community of people, and then someone took a torch and burned it down. Troy got in the middle of that, looked at the media, looked at the press, and said, here we stand. We're not going away. Holy Spirit, come upon us. We are God's change and action and transformation for the world right here and right now. And we are here today because he stood in those ashes. Where are you called to take a stand? Personally, individually, corporately? Where are you called to step up? Shoulder to shoulder with someone else. Stand in solidarity with them so that change can happen. So that change, the kingdom of heaven comes. Now there's a little bit more in this baptism story than that. It's not just that we get the good word that we're God's children and God loves us. What John was calling people to was a change of their intentions and their hearts. He was calling them to a new mind. He said in this new kingdom, this new kingdom, you need a new mind, a new way of being. And so this metanoia is the word. It means to repent. And sometimes we think bad things about repent. I hope you can let go of those images. What he's inviting you to is a new being, a new life, a new direction, a direction towards God. That is what it is. Whatever negative stuff you have upon it, it is this image of a new way of thinking, even. A new way of being so that God's kingdom resides within you and that you work for God's kingdom outside you. So in the midst of all of that, there's a word that comes up from another scholar at Wake Forest. And he says, you know, when Jesus was doing this, Jesus was intentional and clear. Jesus is standing in solidarity with John, but he was doing something more. He was saying, we're ready for the kingdom now. He says, you know what? We're ready for the revolution. When God's kingdom comes, that is revolution. When people say yes to the Holy Spirit coming into new life and to new ways of being, that is revolution. So let's work in solidarity to make God's kingdom come, to have that revolution here and now. Jesus steps out of the water after he's stepped right in it in order to transform the world. That indeed is revolution. What do you think about it? Can we do that together? What does it feel like with an infant being baptized if we ask the parents, are you ready to prepare this child for revolution? If you invite the spirit into your heart and family and into that child's life, that's what you're doing.